And now, it's time to sit back and enjoy the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. Disney won't stop. Hope Molinex and Chris Honeywell have finished Clone Wars twice and Rebels once. Now they move on to Resistance and beyond. I'm Gene Gene, the MC Machine, and this is J-Guys and Jedi. Hi everyone, welcome to a brand new episode of J-Guys and Jedi, a weekly podcast covering every episode of Star Wars Resistance. In this episode... The best mom in the world, Vanessa Doza's fighter squadron, and the Aces launch a dangerous mission to escort resistant recruits to safety. There will be... Vanessa is back! With some friends! That bitch Rucklin is still a little bitch, and Tam comes to an important decision. We're talking about the penultimate episode of Star Wars Resistance called Rebuilding the Resistance this week. How you doing, Chris? Good. So, I want to start off this episode by saying um, a little correction from last week. So last week's outline, and I didn't realize it until today when I was making this week's outline, and I looked at it and I was like, that's not right. I mislabeled last week's episode. Um, I know you said you were going to correct it, and I'm like, ah, they don't they don't see our Google document. And then I'm like, oh, Wait, I right. read, it out, read loud. it out loud. I read it out loud Um, when I'm like, we're talking about blah, blah, blah. And then I read it out loud again when I was like, blah, blah, well, blah. It's you, the you, 37th episode of Star Wars Resistance. You know what, Hope? Now that they're listening to the episode after it, we could we could totally go time travel and erase that mistake. You could just you could just say the right say the right thing you should say the right name for the episode make me a little recording no and, uh, play safe and just say it in a monotone and i'll just slap it right over the top of <laughs> your voice yeah, on the other go. one no place safe and now and now everybody knows why that sounded so goofy in the last <laughs> didn't put it together already i was hoping that like, I swore I had, like, a Bernstein Bears, like, Mandela effect. Because, like, I was reading it, and I was like, that's not right. And then I, I, I double-checked it, like, three times. I was like, that's really the title? Because I had wrote No Safe Place, but the name, the title of the episode is No Place Safe. And, and I'm I, hearing No Safe Space, you resistant snowflakes. And, and I, just, I, I just kept, like, I had this moment, I was like, did I really do that, like, multiple times? Multiple times? I did that multiple times? Because also, I read it twice. And then I was like, did I do it the week before when I was like, the title of next week's episode is blah, blah, blah. I'm like, did I do it then? And I I just, I completely fucked it. I apparently don't know how to read anymore. So yeah, so last week's episode was. <laughs> uh, just uh, just, just want to warn everybody that I'm not an awful cat dad. My, my cat Bernice is sitting on my lap. But, and she's being very nice. She's being very nice and purry and rubby right now. But the I thing miss- about Bernice is, yeah, I'm talking about you. Yes. Oh, the, the thing about Bernice is, she don't she don't like it when I when I reach over and grab my mouse or type on the keyboard, and she will she will yowl and go go. Oh, there she goes. She knows I'm talking about her. Never mind. She'll rah, 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 and go after my hands whenever I reach for my keyboard. <laughs> so I don't want people to think I'm abusing 
abusing the cat. The cat is abusing me, but she left. She's she's probably just trying to get me to go throw throw her cloth mouse at her. <laughs> I'm getting her to jump in the air. We're talking about getting her treats as a training thing and maybe getting her jumping through hoops and stuff. Ooh. Yeah, little tricks. She's Wait. she's tiny and light. She jumped on my bed the other day. And I went to bed really late, and she was up like it. I went to bed at like four in the morning, and because I'd taken a nap at like early in the evening, and like she was raring to go at four a.m. And uh, so I, I went to bed, and I was like laying there, like kind of awake. And then all of a sudden, she was walking on me, and I'm like, "Hi there!" And she goes running off, and I'm like, "She jumped up on my bed, and I didn't even hear it, feel it." nothing and i was you know i i was awake because she's just a little feather it's not like when when zeb jumps like i can hear him in the next room when he jumps down the floor it's just <laughs> oh our last cat doc you heard him coming down the stairs you know to see yeah. him come clumping down the stairs and she's just like there so she, she might be a trick cat so we'll have to get some treats and see if we can do little tricks and treats Zeb absolutely, like, to the point where, like, Lynn is like, every time he jumps down on Pell, Freddy's going to, like, break his ankle. (laughs) (laughs) He's so big. (laughs) No, I've seen some really fat cats, and I've never heard of a cat just getting that fat that they, if they get that fat that they're going to break their ankle, they're not going to be very mobile anyway, so, yeah. Yeah. So last (laughs) week, oh, go ahead. They won't be climbing on anything. (laughs) No, no. So last week's episode, we recorded the day before Star Wars Visions comes out, and we were both super excited. We have both now seen Visions, and so... I was mildly excited. You were super excited, but then I got more excited when I watched it. So Chris and I have discussed it, and we are going to cover Visions after we finish Resistance, because we're on the penultimate episode. So after we finish Resistance, we are going to do Visions. But we thought we would go ahead and just give some general quick thoughts, um, but no deep diving since we're gonna we're like you know three weeks away from jumping into resistance or vision. So, what what did you think, Chris? Um, I thought it was I, I was expecting it to be good, but there I expected with it being nine different ones that I was going to tune out. And I did not tune out. I was riveted through the whole thing. I watched just all nine of them straight through without without much. Uh, maybe I went to the bathroom once or something. But that, um, you know, so it's 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 a mixed bag, but it's a very creative mixed bag visually and in every regard, sound wise, music wise, the music. I. They better release a soundtrack to this because you could tell there were some composers that worked for these animation houses that really like wanted to do some John Williams music and did it beautiful. Like they did. The thing about it is, and and this is without getting into any specifics of the of the stories or anything, is you had a lot of people who like that it's they're not doing a star wars movie but get it the you know official star wars telling them do a star wars these are people you can tell they've waited you know, their whole life they're like they're they're like me you know they're getting that they're was getting in called one to, of, 
that was in one of the trailers. They were interviewing um, a lot of the animators, and they were like, we just are, in, like, crazy excited about doing the Star, right. Star Wars because right. th- we've always wanted to do this. So, like, so when, you have, when you have that, uh, you have nine different places, you know, with seven, their whole... Actually. Seven seven, di- seven different places with their like whole Trigger did two and another studio did two and I forgot what the other studio was. With with their whole, you know, going whole hog on it. Everybody's getting their crack at it from a lifetime, although I have a feeling there's gonna be sequels to some of some of these things can can and should go on. But I I know the duel has a novel coming out in October. Uh, well, uh, okay. It's called Ronin, and it's about like the background. Of, it was the very first episode, and it's about uh, Ronin and his droid, and like their background story. So you just have like a light, like okay. So so you have you know the 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 stuff Disney and Filoni are making that's great. You know the the you know you have Filoni who's worked his whole, but it's become his job, and they've got a whole crew to do it and stuff. And it's you, 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 they got a budget and stuff. These guys were able to just sort of go whole hog on it. And, you know, it, it, it's reminiscent of the Tartakovsky or Tarkovsky. I can never remember which one it is. Oh, I always right. mix them up with the filmmaker. Tartakovsky. But, Tartakovsky. But it, where. You know, there's a depth to it because they're putting so much effort into such a small amount of time and you have this large amount of people that's going on at at, at Disney, but it's people working in a routine. These people are like doing our Star Wars now and it you feel like there there were moments with the music where, you know, it was the music was timed to every little visual aspect of it in the same way that John Williams would time his music to any, you know, classic 80s Spielberg or George Lucas movie. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You know, it was the the the, the, mu- the music was reflective of every little element happening in the animation and was very John Williams like and just you as it, it, it as far as mood goes, this is a, you know, off the scale on mood on star Wars mood. I was mm-hmm. very, I was very impressed. I'm, I'm looking forward to, to, to going over them like all the other stuff, you know? Yeah. And there's already rumors go- going around about the wanting a season two. <laughs> oh yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. It's the season two seemed kind of baked into it to me. And if there isn't a season two, I don't know what the response to this has been, but I can't imagine. It's it. been and, relatively positive. Yeah. There's, like the majority of people have been very positive, except for the small minority. That's like, why is it so Japanese? I'm like, I went to my vape store and the guy just happened to be watching a new hope. And so we, we, you know, he was checking me out and I was like, Hey, have you seen star Wars visions? And he was like, yeah, it was fine. I just wish it wasn't so anime. And I just kind of looked at him like, that's the fucking point. Okay, <laughs> okay buddy. Like, the, okay. See, I'm not a big anime person. I like, I like, you know, here and there catch something, mostly the like big animated movie type stuff. 
but it, it, yeah, I, it, it, so I, I, I figured I'd be about halfway in, you know, and be like, yeah, that was, that was good. That was fun, you know, but, uh, it was surprisingly, it was surprisingly, a, uh, adult and dark in points and violent. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I was, uh, totally, totally impressed. For me, I, the moment they announced Visions, because we did an entire episode on all the announcements when they, like, announced Indoor and Book of Boba Fett and the Ahsoka show, and when they announced Visions, I said in that episode, this was the number one thing I've been waiting for. And it was the number one thing I wanted. And it exceeded all of my expectations. It was everything I wanted it to be. And I, I liked, I, I, I loved it. Every, I liked every short for one reason or another, another, and there's about five that I absolutely loved. You see, that's Just, very, that sounds very much like me, yeah. And There's about four or five of them that were just like But I liked special. all of them. Like, yeah. like, like mild spoiler, because I guess, like we said, we're going to dive into it. Like, The Twins was my least favorite, but there are still so many things in that up short that I really loved. Like, elements that I really loved. And... I enjoyed showing the fact that they didn't have to play in the realms of canon. Because, like, yeah, I do enjoy canon, I enjoy that stuff, but I also feel like it can be so restrictive at times. And not letting stories breathe and do their thing. And the fact that they weren't restricted by canon, and I think what's really interesting, too, about this show as a whole is these seven studios did not work with each other. They didn't collaborate. They didn't communicate. They were all doing their very own thing. So I found it really interesting, like the things from Star Wars that carried over between the shorts. Yeah, the the, the yeah yeah that's gonna be a that's gonna be a strong thread I think through our like like what are the critique themes? of this is. Yeah, like, what are the themes? Like, there's so many about Jedi and hiding. And, like, of course, like, the standard, like, standing up to the Empire. But so many shorts were about finding lightsabers and finding Lightsabers. I mean, but, you know, I mean, you know, it, it ties in with the origins of Star Wars with samurai and stuff in the swords. Yeah. And so they so they just, like, that you know. But it was, it, it was amazing. Yeah, yeah, this is maybe discussion for the show. But it was amazing how they just sort of took samurai jedi yeah it you know sometimes it was sometimes it, it could have just been a samurai movie if you just tweaked a couple little visual elements in it you know yeah. it was that close to the bone or sometimes it could be a pure star wars movie if you just tweaked a couple it was and but how I, they all sort of hit common themes and their variances of it, it's very interesting yeah and and like and just seeing like some of the range like studio trigger did the twins but they also did the elder and the elder is one of my favorites and like that just to seeing triggers range between the two shorts um the, and, the and elder so, was one that didn't do that that i liked it i loved a lot when episode. i watched it but then as i thought about it it became one of my favorites it was yeah. one of those ones that sort of grew on me as i as i thought about and was like Oh, but wait, what about, oh, but he, oh. And, so. and, we'll, and we'll definitely get into it, but, like, it it was just, I loved how it was not what people traditionally think of anime. Because a lot of, like, people who aren't into anime probably think, like, Sailor Moon and Dragon Ball Z. Like, this is a sampler platter 
of the ranges of mm. anime, which is a lot of fun. And it has everything from like classic stuff like Astro Boy to like newer things like Promare. Um, and so it's. And it's the a Astro nice... Boy, didn't it feel like it was filtered through Nelvana a little bit? Like. That episode actually surprised me the most, I think, because I that was the episode going into it. I didn't think I would get anything out of it. And I was surprised how, at times, it felt a lot like a weird take on Star Wars Rebels. <laughs> it even has a world between world sequences and has, like, the cave paintings from the Lothal Temple carved into the walls. And I was like, well, this suddenly got very Rebels for me, um, which we'll get into. But, um, yeah, like, so I I'm really excited about how I, I loved it. I absolutely loved it. I, I wrote a review with my buddy Arzu over on the Kiki Waffle, um, breaking down each episode. But I cannot wait to dive into it. It was everything I wanted it to be. I if they did a season two, um, I, a few of the stories I would want them to continue, but I would also like to see other studios come to plate. Yeah, um, no, I, I see like three three or four of them that would are are like I see I see a couple of them that might even be like, you know, potentially like maybe we want to run this as a series. <laughs> you yeah. Know? Like I would love to do see um, Studio Chizu come to the plate. I really like a lot of their work, um, like Wolf Children, Mariah and Bell. Like I really, really, really want to see Studio Ch- uh, Chizu come to yeah. the plate for a Star Wars because they I mean, do a this, lot this of. Could be a, this they could do a be lot a big... of like fairy tale mixed with the real world kind of story. Like, um, uh, 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 Wolf Children is about a slice of life story about a woman who falls in love with a man who can turn into a wolf and then is raising her two half wolf children. So it's very slice of life, but set in a kind of a fairy tale setting. And I feel like Studio, Studio Chizu could be like a really good house to do something really fun with Star Wars. Um, I, I still want to see a Ghibli Star Wars. I really do. Um, even though a lot of the pieces, like um, The Village Bride, felt very Ghibli at times. Like moments of it really reminded me of stories like Princess Mononoke, um, or or even um, Spirited Away at times. But I I would like to see about three or three of these come back and then have new animation studios come to play. Yep. And I, I that's what that's exactly what I would want from like uh, Madhouse. It just seems like a one. great breeding ground for um, potential stuff in the future for uh, other series, maybe even a movie. You know, mm-hmm. if if they thought there was enough interest in in an anime Star Wars movie, I would be. I mean, totally we haven't had a, we haven't had an anime uh, animation Star Wars movie since the Clone Wars movie. And as much as we all thought like Siege of Mandalore would make an awesome movie on screen, and I still want to see the Siege of Mandalore on screen, I I am waiting for another animated Star Wars movie to be a feature film on screen. I still want it. I want. There's only certain. There are certain things that only animation can do, and uh, Visions proved that. I mean, there are only certain things that work in animation that can doesn't always translate into live action. And so, um, yeah, I, I love visions. I can't wait to talk about it. So I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to diving into those. So anyway, and so that's our kind of basic thoughts. Come back in a few weeks when we dive into visions. Um, resistance. Are you muted? (laughs) Christmas. Oh yeah, I guess I am muted. Yeah, we probably should do resistance. Yeah, that's a good <laughs> idea. What do you think of 
uh, rebuilding the resistance. I liked it a lot. Probably not as much as the last episode, but a lot. Very close to the last episode, though. I think it's a very good penultimate episode. It really just sets yeah. up everything for the two-part finale. Yeah. Was this one of the ones you've seen? Or do you not remember? I do not. I... I... I, I don't remember, but I think I have, because I seem to remember a lot of the stuff with Tam in this one. So, I think I have. I think I have seen right up until here, and then after this. When I said I didn't watch the last two episodes, I guess I'm counting the last episode since it's a two-parter. So Yeah, I actually think they, they put the two-parter over, I think, think two weeks i don't think it was aired together but i i only remember it in the vaguest sort of way so yeah i did not know what was going to happen in this episode as i was watching it mm. well you ready i'm ready <clears throat> rebuilding the resistance is the 38th episode of star wars resistance it aired on january 19th 2020 it was written by jennifer corbett and directed by bosco ing some extra information for you. Even though he's been on the show before, we haven't seen Hugh since the very first episode, so I just wanted to touch back on him again. Hugh Scion is voiced by Sam Witwer, best known for Star Wars as the voice of Darth Maul in Clone Wars and Rebels. And just some re some information just to refresh your memory. Hugh is one of two Kaz's wingmates in the New Republic in the opening moments of the show. He was one of the guys flying with Kaz. In the early development of the episode, the conversation between Tyranny and Tam in, inside Tyranny's office um, would have opened the episode, forming the teaser before the title. Instead, Venisa's arrival forms the cold opening, more clearly setting up the mission and the plot of the episode. The original outline of the episode described Torch and Bucket's reunion as two droids excitedly exchanging scomp bump handshakes and crying in celebratory oil. <laughs> And I was like, that well, would have been they, great. They should have done that. I wish they were crying oil. It would have been so cute. They're both two old men droids just being like, me, I missed you. Yeah, yeah. And finally, Dantooine was first mentioned in A New Hope, where Princess Leia knowingly lies to the Empire, claiming it to be the site of the current rebel base. It was later seen from space in Star Wars Rebels, but this episode marks the first time we've actually seen the planet's surface. Sort of. Yeah, we got a shot of it, like they're like the ground for like three seconds. But yeah, right. Do I don't do you know whose surface we don't want to see? I don't know. Lumpy and bumpy. Mm. And a little bit fuzzy. Mm, but the mm, warts you do not get from touching Yoda's bumps. Ugh. Well, I don't want to touch your bum. No, my bump. My bump. Oh, my bump with bump a bump Yoda lump. Mm. Your Yoda lumps. <laughs> oh, oh, hold up, hold up, Chris. You had a story about Yoda that you were gonna tell me. Yeah, Yoda. Yeah, I'm All gonna right. blame you, Yoda. I got. I'm gonna keep people anonymous because the the person involved in this can't give consent to be on the show, mentioned on the show, but um. My housemate, um, ever, ever a good um, publicist, was uh, at her job, which is on the road, uh, in the tour bus, 
with uh, her unnamed rock and roll band. And the tour manager who was uh, driving the bus was driving the bus and they were listening to music and he was just like, I'm I'm going nuts. I have to listen to a podcast. I, I so just can somebody recommend me a podcast? And she goes, do you like Star Wars? And he goes, I love Star Wars. And she goes, my roommate does a Star Wars podcast. He goes, go good. Put it on. Now, I don't know what episode got put on. I'm guessing most likely it would probably be whatever the last episode, the latest episode to come out was just because that would be the first one they would bump into on a, uh, looking for it and uh, listening, listening, listening. Okay. Okay. Sounds good. Then on comes Yoda. Uh-huh. And about two lines in, Yoda said about a couple things, and he said, Nope, nope. <laughs> All right, we're done. we're done here. Done here. Yoda, you cost us a listener. Oh. Filtered out. Mm. Maybe Wait. not so strong in the force he was. No. Oh. Maybe you should be less strong in the whatever this is. Yeah, and they your... ended up they ended up listening to you know a, a serial killer podcast. <laughs> you know some some murder podcast. You know. <laughs> I had just tripped up spin. That's so funny. They didn't listen to Jay Guys and Jedi. They were listening to like blood baths and wine moms or something like that after that. <laughs> something they went to something safer. Oh my god! Yoda! No, listen, they do not. No, shut up, man. Shut up! You made us lose a listener to that freaking. The one we hadn't even gained the listener. He scared him off before they even became a listener. Oh my god, that's that. A question for Yoda? <laughs> you yeah. know, to be honest, though. Look at him, he's making his eyes big like a yeah. kitty cat. Oh, yeah. not buying it. Ugh, you are not Puss in Boots. You have too many lovely Yoda lumps for that. Oh, lovely lumps. So <laughs> cute. So cute. Loss of the listener. That's all right. We have so many good listeners. Anyway, I do have a question for Yoda, and this comes from one of our listeners, our, one of our lovely listeners. Mm. This week, our question comes from Paul C. Kelly. Oh, yeah? Yeah. I'm going to try to do my best Paul C. Kelly impression. Question for Yoda. If you had to choose between the Glob from Incredible Hulk, whoa, the Moss Man from Masters of the Universe, whoa, or Swamp Thing for monsters who lurk in your swamps of Dagobah, who would you choose? I guess to live there? Mmm, <laughs> Swamp Thing. Yes, good friend for Yoda. Yes. Oh, you could braid his vines. Grows psychedelic vines on his back. Yes, like oh. yams you can eat. Is is like a walking party. Mm. Oh my god, please don't eat Swamp Thing. He doesn't deserve that. Cares not he does. Eat of his body. Yes. 
Oh, that's true. He will just grow more. Yes, Earth Elemental cares not if people eat of his body. Hmm, yes. Does he eat his own leaves like Groot does in Guardians of the Galaxy? Yes, but it's like... It's like Yoda eating his own toenails has no <laughs> That's actually funny, because I was actually thinking like like eating like a scab or something. So that's just as Same far as there. Yeah. <laughs> that's true. Ah, ah. If you had to fight fight one, would it be the Glob, Mossman, or Swamp Thing? Who would you uh, fight? Yoda knows not who Glob is, or... Moss Man Yoda does not trust people who say they are masters of the universe. <laughs> You're the only master of your universe, right, girl? You get it. Yes. Yeah. You Yo- Yoda is Yoda is should be called he it. Mm. He it. <laughs> he it. Are you saying you're not a man? Does a man Yoda look like? Well, you are male, so are you not a man? Ooh, I'm gonna tell Mama the Hut. Human, not human. <laughs> All right, Yoda. We will see you next time. Right? That his name, right? He male, master he- of the universe. He male. <laughs> Hugh-male. No? No? <laughs> there he goes, wandering off. It's going off into the universe. Oh my gosh. Also, us listeners, maybe we need to put a disclaimer before it for any new listeners. I mean, new listeners, just skip ahead. Wait, wait about five episodes before you embark on Yoda, maybe. I mean, after 290 episodes, I would hope that people know what they're getting into. Well, you know, Yoda, you know, it's better to have Yoda weed them out before they get to the five pound chocolate pudding story, so. <laughs> Yeah, right, I'd rather lose him with Yoda than that, I guess. Yeah, I'd rather lose him with Yoda than penis piercings. <laughs> <laughs> or Weatherman Jello Wrestling. Yes. That was all the same episode. <laughs> was. That was all in the same morning. Oh, hooray for Grievous Intrigued. Anyway, <laughs> Act 1. Act 1. More Kaz's Curse where we talked about, what, what was it, Licking Steve Bloom? <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> That was mostly you talking about that, but yeah. (laughs) We're we're still sorry, Steve Bloom. Right. Very sorry, Steve Bloom. Oh, Cass's curse. That was a heck of an episode. Uh, You realize I need to blow my nose. It's been like the weather's been so nice, like outside. So I've had my windows open. It, it's it's either be hot inside and be like and breathe, or have very nice windows open with super cool weather and have ragweed attacking my face. I have chose the latter because I prefer cool temperatures. But boy, my sinuses have been really bad this summer or this fall. I, my allergies have been off the chain. I wake up every morning just going <laughs> every single day. But it's worth it because it's so cool outside. And I love fall and it's my favorite season and I'm here for it. Great sleeping weather these days. Absolutely. Act one. Act one. <clears throat> we open with X-Wings arriving at the Colossus and everyone's like, 
oh shit, what's that? And Kaz is like, oh my god, the cool people are here. It's Vanessa Doza and Norath, my buddy Norath, and like the other guy. Hugh, I think is his name, from like episode one, that no one remembers at all. But he's here too! Woohoo! And Vanessa and Yeager are like, Yay! Rebel Buddies! It's good to see you again! You look great! So do you! It's so good to see you! But none of that matters because the Dozas are back together. And Toro runs over and like hugs her mom. And the mom and the daughter are back together. And Captain Dad Doza comes over and he's like, My boss wife, I've missed you so much. And all the Dozas are together. And even better, Vanessa's droid torch. It's like, My long lost love bucket. And Bucket's like, My long lost love torch. And they creakily wheel towards each other as fast as their little old man droid legs can take them and they're just like i've missed you bro and brackets like i've missed you too and then the droids are together and it's great yeager pulls over kaz and he's like vanessa this is my adopted son kaz and i love him and i'm the proud papa of him and dosa's like this is all great but i need to let you know why we're here we are helping Vanessa with a mission. I've lost my spot. There I am. We're helping her squadron on a mission for the resistance. And Kaz is like, fuck yeah. And then he sees Norath and he's like, Norath, my friend, my buddy cop friend. We're going to have a spin-off series where we're just dumb resistance agents. And Norath's like, yay, I missed you so much. And they greet each other. And then like, he was there. And he was like, Kaz, buddy, I missed you too. And Kaz's like, hey, you? He's like, don't you remember me? From episode one, we flew in the New Republic together, and Kaz is like, I sort of vaguely remember that, so I guess it's part of the plot now, though we should have had you back in the show sooner, you know, since this is the penultimate episode, and you haven't been here for, what are we on now? This is the 38th episode of Resistance, so we haven't had you on for like 37 episodes, I guess we should have had you back on sooner, so yeah, whatever, and wasn't there a girl flying with us too? I seem to remember a girl flying with us too, but I guess we're friends, welcome to the Colossus, Hugh. He Who is, is like, this guy? He was this guy. <laughs> and Norath is like, Kaz, the war is getting dire. This would be a really good point to have a Hamilton joke, but I have none prepared. Can my mind just blanked? Good. So Chris gets spared. <laughs> and the Resistance is struggling to get fighters. And Norath, what is the song? Yorktown. <laughs> Damn it. There's a Yorktown joke somewhere in here, but my mind is just blanking. And Norath and Hugh are all that's left of Venetia's squadrons, because shit's getting real. So, in the Doza office, Mommy and Daddy Doza are debating the mission. And she's like, look, there are resistance recruits stuck on Dantooine, surrounded by First Order people, and I just want some aces to help my squadron save them. And is it cool if I temporarily bring them on the Colossus, honey? I love you so much. You're so handsome. Doza's like, yeah. Bring him here. And you can have three aces. And Vanius is like, what? That was easy. And Dosa's like, look, I've tried running. I've tried hiding. It's not working. 
you can have three aces. That's all I can spare because I still need to protect the Colossus. And Tora and Kat's kicking the door going, Hi, we're protagonists. We're the protagonists. We'll go with you. And Vanessa's like, cool. Let's also call the highest paid actor in the show, Donald Faison. Come on down. And Hype kicks in the door and he's the third uh, ace because he is probably the specialty actor paid the most in the show. And, and Hype's like, don't worry, everybody. I'm here because I'm Hype Faison. So all the Resistance Squadron gets together for their briefing. And their whole job is to save these three shuttles from this First Order occupied planet. And Vanessa gives a rousing speech going, there's not a lot of us, but we are the spark that will burn the First Order down. And Cass is like, I'm pretty sure that's post speech from Trust. And she's like, shut up, I said it first. And he's like, actually, Trust came out before this episode. Vanessa's like, shut it, kid. <laughs> and so, the, so she gives a rousing speech and it's great. Before they leave though, Vanessa goes to Yeager and she's like, Yeager, I saw your, I saw Tam. And Yeager's like, Tam, how is my baby girl? Is she eating enough? Is she okay? If she, is she warm? Are they keeping her warm? Is she, I love her. Did she tell her that I love her and I miss her? But even though I was a hard ass last episode, I wasn't really a hard ass last episode. I really miss my daughter. Is she okay? And Vanessa's like, she's confused, but I think she's starting to come around. Maybe we'll see. And with that, our heroes head out on the mission while Captain Dad and Boss Dad watch them go. End of Act One, what do you think? That was short. Short Act One. Usually they do like nine minutes lately. And yeah, they're some... back to their 777 format. Yeah. Um, so this is like the most of my notes, actually. I, think. I realize Veniza is basically functionally serves the function of Poe who can't be there as sort of, you know, an advanced resistance person, but she's much more like motherly rooted, rooted, rooted in the show. She's, she's motherly, but she's less motherly than Captain Doza. (laughs) You know, she's like, come on, come on, wing girl. We're going to go kill some people. She's the go- role of Poe, but with the gravitas and, and experience of Leia. Right, right. Uh, uh, I, actually, she's she kind of reminds me of a hybrid of Leia and Han. You know, but she's oh, yeah. You know, that's she's good. she's she's got a little she's got a little more um, more like badass to her. But also, but she has like now now she you know. And and like a lot of the function of Poe and Kaz, we we've already had you know Poe's you know influence on Kaz and stuff and sort of served his function, and now it's got that. But now with with Tora, so it's she's it would be better because remember like a couple episodes ago or last like last episode or the episode before I was like, huh, you'd think Poe would come back, and then we we're like, ah, yeah, no, he would be. Busy doing Oscar, Oscar Isaac's out of contract by now. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And you know, but you know that his character would be it would not be yeah it would that he would be busy with with other movies and yeah. stuff. And so, they're also but, like in Last Jedi timeline where the Resistance is just shattered. But Veniza is a better character to have in there anyway because she has more relevance to all the characters, and uh, th- th- this is maybe my only kind. 
it's not really a criticism, but it's just like, eh, you know how he's like, oh, you give a great speech or whatever. And uh, I, it's funny. I didn't even think of it as a speech. I, I, I put it in my notes as uh, the briefing that she gives. It totally reminded me of playing a video game and you're about to start a level and you hear the voice actress go like, all right, squad, what we're going to do is this. And the, the, you know, the future, you know, there's, there's a rousing speech put in it, but it's, it had, it just felt like a, like an opening scene to a video game. It's really interesting because it I actually really liked the speech and I think what it's I liked about bad. it, because actually, because um, <clears throat> that's one of my notes, I think it's the way that it's shot in the cinematography because as she's talking, it points out everyone's priorities. So Vanessa very specifically says, we're fighting for the ones who have lost everything. And then they show Kaz, who has right. lost his planet. And then she's like, we're fighting to protect the ones we love. And then they show Captain Doza, who is finally starting to get into, this, finally starting to get into the fight. And so it wasn't really a speech for everyone. It was more just kind of like setting the priorities in the stage for the episode. Right but also still kind of touching base on the people who, on the person who's been here from the beginning who has lost everything, and on Doza finally making that character jump to get into the fight. Yep. But that's all I got for, that's all I got for Act 1. That's actually really my segue into my Captain Doza episode uh, note for this. Um, I really like the natural progression for Captain Doza's arc and how it's handled. He spent most of the season, he tried to go on the run, and they ran out of supplies. So then he tried to settle on a new planet, and they were found by the First Order. And so no matter what he did, he hasn't been able to escape this war. So I like this natural progression where he's like, all right, I'm getting into this fight now because I've yeah. exhausted all my options. And I, I thought that was a very nicely well-done progression for him. It's, this it's very like him. That's what he did with the First Order and the Colossus in the first place, is he mm -hmm. exhausted all his possibilities before he went, you know, took the nuclear option on it and and boogied out of town you know yeah um and one more thing of Venice's speech i do like how it mirrors poe's speech in tross because she's like we are the spark and of course he has that line that was like we are the spark that will burn the first order down so it was, it was a nice kind of like um poetry it rhymes kind of moment with tross um the opening segment where Vanessa and, and Yeager are just like, hey, your ship's seen better days. And like, they're being super friendly, and they they clearly have, like, this really long relationship with each other. And I'm just like, I so badly want more stories of these guys. Like, I want them in the comics. I want them in the books. I want Yeager and Vanessa to be in the Marvel comics with Leia and Luke and Han. I want to see them in the Rebellion days. I want to see Griff and Doza on the Empire, like I, I've said it multiple times, I still want it, and that scene made me want it even more. Ah. So how cute was Torch and Bucket greeting each other? A lot cuter if they cried tears of oral. I know, but just like when when Torch like came out from under the ship and Bucket saw him and just like went running at him, like I like because that also kind of mirrored Venisa and Giger. Like the droids have known each other so long too, and they, they're clearly friends. And I was just like, they're so precious. I love them. Um, the Dozas are relationship goals, and I would argue they're one of like they're up there with like Kanan and Hera. 
as like one of the most healthiest relationships in fucking Star Wars. Healthiest <laughs> relationships forged in war. <laughs> yeah. And what I liked about their debate in Doza's office is they both want the same thing. They want to fight this war um, and they just have different ways of how they handle this. And it's a very healthy debate. And what I also liked it about it was there are clear boundaries. Vanessa That's what I was just going to say. They, they, they respected each other's boundaries. That's why. Yeah, and Vanessa is very well aware of she's usually the one that goes off to war and he's the stay-at-home dad, but he also has, like, hundreds of people to protect on the Colossus. Like, and so it's a very clear boundary, and I like how she's very respectful of it. Like, we are doing this this one time, and we will get the recruits here and then send them on their way so your people are safe. And it's such a healthy relationship. Yeah, they're a team and they're negotiating. Yeah, absolutely. And I, it's so cool to see that because, like, we don't get a lot of, like, relationships in Star Wars just because it's not what Star Wars thinks. They don't really do romances. And, like, Han and Leia are weird in the movies because they grew apart and stuff like that. So, honestly, all I, and, of course, Anakin and Padme are a whole mess of their own. And so, really, all we have is, like, Kanan and Hera and the Dozas. Like, I can't think of any other relationships that are functioning and fucking work. No, not if Kylo you go to dies. the... Especially if you go to the movies. Yeah, like Ben Solo dies, that we can't really count that either because it's not really a relationship. They he he kisses it and quits it. Um, so I, I I really appreciate like animation giving us these really good healthy relationships because we can't even count Obi Wan and Satine. They weren't really together, and then she died too. So yeah, the greatest was... love love story of all is Maul in his quest for Obi Wan, the one that got away. <laughs> the one that got away. <laughs> Thank you for making it better. Um, so yeah, I love yeah, I love strange definition of making it better, but I'll take it. <laughs> you know I'm a sucker for like punny jokes, you know. Um, but I, I really appreciate Vanessa and Emmanuel's relationship. It's just so good to see such a healthy relationship in Star Wars. And I'm really glad that Vanessa told Geeker about Tam. Because the end of last week's episode, he drops that really harsh truth, the bomb, about civil wars. And he's like, she made her choice, she turned her back on us, and we have to turn her back on her. But what I liked I'm about Lisa telling him is we can clearly see that he loves her still. Like, the moment she mentions Tam, like, his face softens, his eyes go really sad, and he's like, how is she? Like, he clearly still loves her so much. And there's so much pain there. And Vanessa gives back hope, which is kind of a theme of this episode. It's it's the end scene of this episode where Vanessa says, you know, we might have lost one of the shuttles, but we saved the two others. And as long as we still have hope, we can still help people. And that comes back around in the end again. When um, And I'll talk about that with Doze in a minute um, when we get to Act 3. But she gives that hope back to Yeager that he he shouldn't give up on his daughter figure, but he should want to still save her after the harshness of last week's episode. Well, I'm, I'm, really I'm like interesting. That. I'm interested. I, I found it interesting that he didn't bring that up because that's sort of information after she saw her. And he's like, yeah, but after she, you know, she's like, yeah, she's, she's struggling. And he's like, well, then the next time we saw her, it looked like she was probably going to kill Kaz. So, <laughs> And, but if he said that, she would have been just like, yeah, war. But, you know, so I, I like it better that he didn't bring it up. 
spot. Like, I'm sure that was bouncing around in his head. Yeah, yeah. And the difference between last week and this week is Kaz was aware that Tam was there. He, was a, he wasn't sure she was there at this time. And I think that was the difference because he was like, I'm pretty sure that was Tam and she almost killed me. But this time he was like, he said, what if Tam had been there? So he wasn't sure this time. Um, but I, I, I liked that moment for Yeager because Vanessa gave him hope again. And that's such a strong theme of Star Wars. Um, and my only other note is I love that resistance lets the ladies go off to fight while the dads stay at home. <laughs> I just love that. It's such a nice, like, kind of tilting it on its head a little bit. Yeah. The stay at home dads. Though I still am just like, we're going to do the, the important part and watch the ship. That's right, guys. See you later. Yeager's the best pilot. He needs to get his ass out there. <laughs> I know he's a commander, but like. That's why they can't lose me. I know, I know. Actually, that would have changed the entire dynamic of the fight if Yeager and Kaz were there versus Tam. And I understand that, that was like, that's a whole drama of its own. That is would have been like an extra five minutes of episode, so I can understand that choice. But I am I have been wanting to see like Yeager actually out there in Tam being like, that's my dad. And we kind of yeah. got that last week when she thought Yeager was flying, but then she realized it was Kaz. So um that's all I have for act one. Did you have anything else? I do not. So act two? Act two. Our heroes arrive at Dantooine and we see it to the ground for like three seconds for the first time in stars or whatever. So they come out of hyperspace and Hype is just having the best time because Hugh is telling him all about Kaz's misfortunes at the New Republic and apparently Kaz sucked as a student and Hype is like, we are now best friends, Hugh. We are the H team, if you will. And of course, Hype will come before Hugh because that's how the alphabet works. And he was like, that's not how the alphabet works. And, and Hype says, shut up. <laughs> That's how it works now. I'm Hype Faison, and you're Sam Whitler. <laughs> I'm Donald Faison. <laughs> Actually, Sam Whitler is a fantastic actor. I really can't say that because he's great. Anyway, it's a joke. So, our H team and the good guys are flying down, and they're like, We're here, shuttles. Come get us. And they're like, Cool. And the shuttles fly up to meet them, and they're all getting ready to go. But, oh, oh no, we're not there yet. The shuttles are still on the ground. Just pretend they're still sitting there hanging out. Because there's a group of ties flying around above the planet, and they're all like, let's fight. And they're all pew, pew, pew. And Team Doza goes to action with Venisa and Tora. And our heroes make really quick work of the space ties. But one baddie before he dies gets a call out to Commander Pyre. And now Venisa calls the shuttles, like, let's get our asses up here and come meet us. So we go to the bad guys. And Tam is brought up to the bridge, and she's just like, hey, bad guys, what's going on? And Tyranny and Gallic and, to a lesser extent, Pyre, are just like, hey, we got this, like, meeting about our ties being taken out on Dantooine, and we think it's resistance people. And they're trying to get shuttles off the ship, so we gotta stop them. And Tam's like, uh, aren't transport shuttles, like, unarmed and full of civilians and stuff? And the bad guys are all look at her like, what's your point, kid? She's like, nothing. Nothing, I guess my... Are we the baddies? <laughs> Have you ever seen that short, Chris? Are we the baddies? I know exactly the one you're with the Nazis. <laughs> the Nazis, the and they have, British like... Comedy show. 
is the the error in the nature of civil war. It's friends fighting friends, family fighting family, and it really ups the drama because right. we don't want to see Kaz and Tam fighting. And that's what makes it so scary because at any point, like, Rucklin could come in and take out, like, Tora or Hype or Norath or any of them. But at the same time, like, Kaz could accidentally take out Tam. Who cares about Rucklin? He's a bitch. But could take out Tam by accident. I'll so have some three notes in that, in that, in in some of those areas but yeah 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 so like you know. when Hugh swoops in and actually shoots tam in act three your heart drops because you're just like oh no like she's 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 hit like and we we want tam to come like to survive at, as much as we want kaz to survive so like it really ups the drama of this battle because this is like it was sort of there last week but they didn't really know they were fighting each other but now kaz is aware like every time i go into a battle i can fight tam because he knows she's there and it, it's the same way like the moment she sees the fireball she's just like oh no kaz is here and you can tell like she kind of changes her tactics and like you know she's just like she sees hype and torah and she's really not shooting at anybody but for... she's also under the yeah she's also under the microscope too so she's gotta like do her if she pulls her punches uh, no, there, no. There, there's some scrutiny on her so like yeah she's under the everybody's under the gun and kaz wouldn't want to shoot her either but they're yeah. like trying to save some people's lives so it's like oh Absolutely. So it really ups the drama. And then you have like the heart wrenching moment where like Reckland's a bastard and like shoots the civilian ship. And like, so it just, everything is just so heightened. So I really enjoyed this battle. This is actually one of my favorite battles of resistance. So anyway, continue your act, your act two notes. I only have one other and it's just a really shallow one. I like the shuttle. The, the shuttles almost look like, like mini, mini van versions of the clone trooper you know troop carriers <laughs> i like that they're many the versions because you're not wrong <laughs> you're right they do look like like mini van versions yeah. <laughs> we gotta get the the civilians into the ship let's go meep meep <laughs> i don't know why that's so funny to me but it's really funny boop, to me. Boop, <laughs> If they had like little like like Volkswagen van like horns like that, meh, like that would be great. <laughs> um, do you have anything else? That's all I got for Act Two. <laughs> um, I really have just kind of like two shallow notes and then like a bigger note. Um, I just think it's really fun to see Tor and Venisa flying together. I I I was racking my brain and I can't think of any time where we've had a mother daughter team that was flying like that. The closest, they weren't flying, but like we had Sabine and Ursa fighting with each other, fighting together in Rebels. That's pretty, about as close as we can get, but I can't really think of any other time. Yeah, but this is like, like this, this, this whole, these last two parts of the show are very much like, this is, as we've discussed before, this is a show that doesn't really have anything to do with the Force or Jedi at all. So there's mm -hmm. no lightsabers and any of that stuff. But this is basically this show's version of, you know, those front, the, the, the real, you know, there, there's a lot of lightsaber play where it's like, oh, let's go through this crowd of droids or whatever. But then there's, you know, when the, when people with history fight with the lightsabers, 
but that's not this kind of show. So it plays out in spaceships Mm -hmm. and we haven't really seen a lot of that. I think because we've seen space battles, but they've been like, we big space battle, you know? And that's because this is, I think the first show without Jedi. So, so now we have like space battles that have an extra layer of drama on them. That isn't like the space battles in the movies and in a lot of like Clone Wars and uh, Rebels was more like we have to blow this thing up or something, you know. Mm-hmm. And this one has, you know, people with history with each other fight it, you know, n- you know, and the audience not wanting either side to kill each other and stuff. So it basically takes on the role of what would usually be a lightsaber fight. Yeah. In another show. My next note was, um, I like how Tyranny's office is sort of Thrawn-like. Um, it shows that she's that kind of, she has that intellect, but what's interesting in the difference between her and Thrawn is Thrawn collected artwork to study cultures. She just has fucking weapons on the wall. It's just weapons. I was I was looking at her office and like looking at the concept artwork for it, and there's no art pieces. It's just weapons, and I'm just like, mm, I like that it has like that Thrawn air to it, but also at the same but, time, it's yeah, just she's <laughs> she's imperial through and through, so she's limited and narrow, you know. Yeah, absolutely. But it's so telling. Like she wants, she's a very intellectual character, unlike Pyre, who's a lackey, who I love that he's a lackey. But, like, it shows she's deadly, too. At any point, she could just take one off the wall and just be like, and be perfectly fine. Yep, yep. So, I want to talk about Tyranny's backstory. I, we've talked in this whole series about how coded in the real world Resistance is more than a lot of the other shows. And what I find really interesting, but also absolutely terrifying about Tyranny's backstory is this is how a lot of people are radicalized. People can do everything right in a society. You know, pay their taxes, go to work every day, do the nine to five, do everything right, and still fail. Which makes them angry and vulnerable to get snatched up by evil forces and brainwashed into bad causes. And this is no way justifying tyranny because she's a horrible person. But this is how I feel is more closer to Tam's story. And we talked about this in the season one finale a lot. But it happens all the time in our real world. And you also like tyranny is super manipulative, like mm -hmm. snaky, snaky snake. So who knows how much of her, you know, what her story is. You know, she might be just like, you know, wanting to, you know, she knows Tam's story. So she might be giving her a story, you know, either giving her a fake story that's similar to hers or molding hers a little more to be like Tam's and stuff. But it's very manipulative the way she does it. Yeah. And and that's a very valid point, too. We don't know how much she's lying, but it let's just for this example, take it as truth that tyranny was a person who did everything right under the new Republic society and still failed and was angry and got scooped up by the first order. That's exactly how radicalization works in our real world. Yeah. I'm going to assume the writers intended that story to be true, but like in the star Wars sense, like from a certain point of view. So it was tyranny's, you know, and if we saw like a dramatic, like, 
not from Tierney's point of view, but just sort of like the the bald what happened, it would it would technically be that, but you, you you'd be like, oh yeah, she was kind of a you know she was killing frogs as a little kid though, <laughs> you know. So it, <laughs> you know, it would be something like that, you know. But like yeah yeah yeah. But I, it totally felt like she was just like, you know, she's really working the UN. And as we get into act three, she's she has she kind of has. I think she sort of views Tam as her ultimate sort of lackey slash pawn. Slash <laughs> understudy. <laughs> but that's what happens when you're an understudy in in the Empire, you know. Uh -huh. But yeah, I, I think that's that's just another example of how well these writers have tied in and coded these real world examples into the show. I mean, we, we haven't been very coy about how we view the first orders a lot like the alt-right and that's how radicalization happens. And it's scary that it's that, that easy that people can do everything right and fail and still get like tied into these horrible causes because they did everything right and they, the system failed them. And I think that's what makes this story so scary is because it's so real. Like, hell, this is a reality for people in my own family having to come to terms with this. Like, they've done everything right and they're still like struggling and poor. And no matter how hard they work, like, that's just the society that we live in. And I just think that's just the strength of Resistance's writing. Um, it's so good. But that's all I had for Act 2. Did you have anything else? No, I'm ready for Act 3. Let's prep the pup! Yep. There's nothing <laughs> puppy-like. There's no little cute critter in here that we can... Yeah, no Darth Buggles. Yeah, yeah. I guess we so... have Torch. Torch is cute. He's very Trap cute. I... He can torch his way out of a prep, though. Out of the that's... prep. Prep isn't fireproof. Especially because I'm literally about to talk about Torch and his missiles. <laughs> Act three! Act three. The battle begins! And our heroes need to clear the TIE Fighters to get to hyperspace. So they split off. Three to protect the shuttles and three to fight the TIE Fighters. So Vanessa, Taz, and the other guy, Hugh, I guess, um, fly into battle. And it's all like pew pew pew! But the most important part about this is not only is Vanessa shooting shit, Torch can shoot missiles from Vanessa's ship and takes out like five TIE fighters all by himself because Torch is amazing and I love it and it's a really cool moment and Kaz is like, I want her to be my new mom and I want Torch to be my new like droid dad. It'll be fine. They're adopting me now. And in the battlefield, everything's crazy and flying and zooming and pew pewing. And the fireball zooms by Kaz's, uh, by Kaz's. The fireball zooms by Tam's ship. And Tam should have had the re reaction of, that's my fucking ship. But she doesn't. But at least she recognizes Kaz. And she's just like, oh no, Kaz is here too. And I guess Tora and Hype to a lesser extent, which is just as bad, but we're not going to recognize them because they're not the protagonist. And and Tora's like, we're kind of a protagonist now since Tor Tam left. And Tam's like, you're not the protagonist. <laughs> Sit down. <laughs> Kaz is the protagonist. Anyway, so if Tam's there, that also means that bitch Ruckman is there. And he is a smug little asshole. 
because he's just like, look, the aces are here, and I'm going to kill them all. And Lieutenant Gallic is like, also, please destroy the shuttles, and Requiem's like, I'll get to that, but I have a beef with Hype Faison, who made me serve him drinks in season one, and I'm gonna take these fuckers down, because I'm a little shit, I'm little shit bitch Rucklin. Fucklin! <laughs> so, the battle continues, and Tam comes up on Kaz's tail, and she's just like, please, 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 I just want to, like, like, burn the ship slightly that's my baby i don't want to do this and, uh, and she locks on to him but hugh comes out of nowhere and hugh shoots tam and my baby girl luckily is not destroyed but she gets damaged and she spins out of the battle away from everything where she can see everything and she's out of danger but she's damaged and she's put to the side but oh no one of the unarmed civilian shuttles get hits, gets hit by a tie and they lose their hyperdrive and they need time to recover. And Taurus like, we're with you. We will hold them off because we will not leave you behind. So damage is uh, being off to the side. Tam is looking at the entire battlefield and she can see that their ties are losing. And she's like, we have to fall back. We are losing this battle. But Gallic because she's like, no, we're the First Order and we're awesome. Gallic refuses to leave. And she is all snooty right now because she's right on Kaz's tail. And Gallic's like, I'm going to take out the protagonist and be the new hero of the show. Ha ha ha, I'm Gallic. But oh no, Vanessa motherfucking Doza, mom, zooms in screaming, not Yeager's adopted son, you bitch! And Vanessa zooms in there and kills Gallic. And Gallic was like, I could have been the protagonist. And, and Vanessa's like, you were never the protagonist ever. And she kills Gallic. Which puts Tam in charge of the mission now that Gallic's gone. And Tam's just like, oh, fuck me. <laughs> and Rucklin's like, Tam, what do we do? And Tam's like, I don't think we should be fighting anymore. And Rucklin's like, that's okay. I see the wounded shuttle, and I'm gonna take it out. And Tam's like, oh no, no, Rucklin, that's point of no return. And Rucklin's like, I've already passed the point of return, no return. And he zooms in, and he takes out the shuttle, killing everyone inside. And Tam's just like, ah! So everyone else jumps to hyperspace to get out of there, except for Kaz, who lingers last, because he has to do his protagonist thing of watching the shuttle blow up and be sad about it. He finally jumps away. So the battle is over, and Tam is, just takes a huge breath of relief because none of her friends died. And she finally asks herself a very important question. She says, what am I doing here? And back on the Star Destroyer, Tyranny is gross! Because she's all like, oh, Gallic was a failure, and you don't have to be sad over her death because she failed. And it's an opportunity for you, Tamara, because you are now squadron leader. And Tam's just like, ha 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 ha, great, thanks, I love it here. Fuck. And Ruckland, though, oh, that bitch Ruckland, this is my favorite moment of the scene. Ruckland is so mad because he's like, I killed the shuttle. I did that. This should be my promotion. It's my promotion. My promotion, Tam! And Tam's like, yeah, I don't... Nobody likes you, man. Tam's like, I don't know what to tell you. I don't want this. And Brooklyn's like, my promotion! 
And you know what I say to you, Rucklin? Good. Su suffer, you blonde-ass bitch. And he's all snooty and he walks off. And Cat Tam's just like, fuck me. So we end back with our heroes. And Kaz and Tora and Hype are just beating themselves up because one, they lost a, sh a shuttle full of innocent people. But our older veterans come along, being Yeager, Vanessa, and Emmanuel, and they give them words of wisdom for our young guns. They will always be lost in war. As long as they keep fighting and keep hope, they will always be something to fight for. And they at least saved two other shuttles, and that in itself is a victory. Vanessa shares that she has hope for Tam, to realize that the what the First Order truly is and leave the First Order. And even Captain Dadoza, this was my favorite line, uh, Captain Dadoza, an ex-Imperial, mind you, drops the best wisdom of all. Giving up on people is the easy way out. And with, when everybody leaves, Emmanuel tells Vanessa that the recruits and her squadron can stay because it's time for the Colossus to be fully in this war. Bum, uh, the end. Not a bum bum bum. The end! <laughs> bum 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 <laughs> What'd you think of Act 3? Great music in this episode. Oh, yeah. So I, I should release that music. Please give us Michael Tavera's uh, soundtrack, please, and thank you. But in, in, in um, Act 3 especially so, there's just some stuff in the battle that just sounds beautiful. Okay, so I know we're getting towards the end. And nothing can be said about what comes next to me because I don't know. But, like, it's funny because um, the funny thing about Gaelic is at first I thought when she was like, oh, I know you're upset about Gaelic getting shot down. It's like, why would anybody, like, you know, I mean, they'd be like, oh, we'll miss her because she was a good officer. But I, I was thinking nobody probably is, like, friends with her. But then I was thinking, you know, in her time off, she might have been just, like, a riot, you know? She might have been loud <laughs> Funny, you know, and stuff. And when she puts on her cop face and goes to work, she's just like, gotta, gotta, you know, gotta put on a, a tough air and stuff. Not an air, we're just using that side of herself because she does it too well to be like putting it on. But it was funny when she died. I was like, oh man, they should have taken out Rucklin. That should have been Rucklin. But really the per and then i thought about it and i'm like now nah, it was it works out better because that that i thought it was kind of funny that that's how tam got away with sort of whiffing the whiffing killing everybody was like ah we know you're upset about gaelic um but you know who i thought was a real goner of this episode hugh <laughs> Right, he was he he's got red shirt written all over him, just like um, just like in talk about poetry, uh, Luke's friend Biggs at, in Star Wars, who that you know shows yeah. up at the end of Star Wars, and everybody's like, "Who the hell is this?" Guy? Biggs, old buddy, we're finally flying together again. <laughs> you know, remember him from the deleted scenes? No, yeah. that's fine. Yeah, and he was in he was in like just like one scene in the beginning, and and like. So there's so he was there, uh, so he would be a very easy character to kill off. And I realize there's still like the last episode and everything, but I really thought he was a old well, he was a goner in this uh, in this part. Mm -hmm. But other than that, uh, I kind of expected it to go 
and maybe if it was earlier on in the series, it would have gone a little ways because it looked like they were setting up a cliffhanger because you see the shuttle going down into the clouds and Kaz is watching it. And I thought, okay, if it, this was early on in the show, you know, this is the part where Kaz has decided, do I, do I run or do I follow the shuttle? And he's like, I can't leave those people behind and goes down and risks his life. You know, it has to evade the first order to help the people in the shuttle or whatever. But no, it was just he was watching it go down in flames and everybody was dead and he had to go away. So I thought that was that was good. It wasn't as predictable. You know, I thought they were sort of setting that up to be, you know, leading into the last episode. But uh, but that's all I got. I have to say that I wrote muscles like the food. But what I mean is missiles. (laughs) <laughs> I love that Torch has access to missiles on Vanessa's ship. Like that's a cool moment where Torch is just like putting in buttons and like in like little missiles are just like pew 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 out of the back and just taking out tie fighters in a row. I just I, see Tor- I just see Torch like Vanessa going Torch Torch what are you doing and he's like sort of retracted down into his little chamber there and he's got a little like martini and he's eating some mussels and <laughs> I love mussels oh my goodness. They don't like my stomach, but I suffer because they're so delicious. Um, uh, so here's the thing. I love to hate Tarkin. Tarkin is a great villain. He's a great villain that you love to hate. Peter Cushion, mm, love him to death. I think I reached the point where I just fucking hate Rucklin. Everybody hates Rucklin. That's why he's not getting promoted. Yeah. Like, if 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 it wasn't, if it, he... Well, it's not. It's bad luck for Rucklin. Well, the thing about Rucklin is, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He did shoot down the shuttle, but guess what? Tam isn't an ass kisser. Even in like they like like, if Tarkin was in charge instead of Tierney, yeah, he might have been the golden boy because Tarkin would have been like, I see a lot of me and you, and maybe even later on down the line, uh, we'll see a little bit of. Me and you. Yeah. Anyway. But, like, the moment Rucklin shows up and opens his mouth, I just went, oh, this guy. Yeah. And that's the thing. Like, there are characters I love to hate. Like, like Tarkin. I love to hate him because he's just such a good villain. And there's just... And I think it's because Rucklin is just, like, this little snivelly shit. Yeah. He has no redeeming qualities. He's not even a good villain. And... I do love to hate Rucklin, but also looking at the show and like a fine-toothed comb, every time he's on screen, I'm just like, ugh, this guy. Yeah. <laughs> and, it, and that's definitely the point. Like, we're supposed to be ugh, this guy to Rucklin. Um, yeah. Uh, where am I? <laughs> I? I know I've been a little bit critical of Tam's use this season, but I do like how they've been easing her between last episode and, and this episode into fighting her friends. Because keeping her away from the battle allowed her to really fall into, uh, kind of fall into the trappings of the First Order a little bit more. And to like really settle in there. But like then we saw in Station to the Station, she saw the Titan, which looked a lot like the Colossus. And it started pulling up those memories. And then last episode, she thought she saw Yeager flying. And of course, it was Tam. But it also stirred that up more. And now she is just head to head with her own friends. And I, and I like that. And I think it's been a nice way to ease her into this fight of finally getting to this moment where she watches innocent people get killed. And she's like, what the fuck am I doing here? 
Like, what am I doing? Yeah. And it's it's I liked the progression, even though I wish they used her more throughout the season. I like where it is. This point is here in the story. I agree. Yeah. Um, I agreement. I my next point is actually about Captain Doza because I thought this was a really good point. Um, Captain Doza is an ex-imperial. You know, he was an imperial officer, and he was a baddie. And I liked his line about, and I even put this on our Twitter because I liked it so much. Um, I liked how he says that giving up on people is the easy way out. Because if if Vanessa had given up on him, he wouldn't be married. He wouldn't have this life. He wouldn't have a daughter. He wouldn't be happy. And she didn't give up on him. And now he has a better life. And I think that's a really important message, especially in this day and age, that giving up on people is the easy way out and writing them off. And there are people that you can't save. But the people that still have a chance to come back and be saved, you shouldn't give up on them. And there's always work that you could do on some people. You can't save everybody, but you can save some people in your life if you don't give up on them. And I thought that was a really important message for this day and age. And again, making resistance feel very timely to what's going on in our real world right now. You can't save everybody, but there are still people you can save. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's especially, yeah, meaningful, but it's it's a, it's a fairly uh, universal sentiment. But yeah, definitely. Yeah. And was it? I mean, well, I guess maybe. I mean, I guess maybe it was. It's just gotten more, more so since the show came out. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, I. That's right. It's only a year ago or so. It's only like a little more than a year ago. I think it's so easy to write off people who are different from you, and there are certain things that you should be like clear boundaries, like racism, homophobia, transphobia, stuff like that, but. Some people just need a little extra work and time. And I thought that felt very timely to a lot of conversations happening now. That you can't save everybody, but some people can be brought back and and helped and saved. So, And my last note is very shallow. And it's probably my biggest criticism of this episode, and I hate it. Let the dozers kiss, damn it! Let them kiss! Kanan and Hera got to kiss. Let the Dozas kiss. They are adorable. They are a good husband and wife yeah, pairing. But, but, Jesus. Like, no, no, let them kiss. I don't, I, the little head is cute. Them holding hands is cute. But no, let them kiss. Let the Dozas kiss 2021. Don't Hashtag. you remember how much buildup they had to do in Rebels? You know, and all the all the pussy so they, they, they don't have the time to they don't have the time to get them onto their five thousandth date or whatever it is to But that's the difference. These two are actually married. Kanan and Hera was fucking pussyfooting around for four fucking seasons. Like, oh are they, aren't they? And then they had to play the whole thing of just like, but do you love me, Hera? And she's like, I'm pregnant, aren't I? But he's like, but really do you love me? Even though I'm about to blow up, do you love me? And she's like, oh since, we clearly since had when sex has pregnancy too. been proof of love. <laughs> Uh, but still, you know, like, and then she was just like, it's always you, Kaden, did you not kiss while you had sex? They acted like it was the first time they ever kissed, like, oh, oh. 
hot take hope has issues with season four of rebels and i know that's like a lot of people's favorite i have a lot of issues you can hear it when we covered it in our episode they remember hope they remember they remember oh i have a lot of fucking issues especially with the Kanan death episode that episode's trash anyway <laughs> i have ugh, uh. <laughs> poor candace she still holds that episode over my head because she was a very lovely guest on that episode every once in a while she'd be like remember when we fought over Kanan and Hera?" and i'm like yes i know <laughs> But let the doors like they're not Kanan and Harrow doing the are we aren't we? They're married. They have a sixteen year old daughter. Let them kiss. Damn it. Ugh. Anyway, that's all I have for this episode. Did you have anything else? No, not after that. Let the doors kiss. Oh, on that note, oh, yeah, get myself reorganized again. Whew. What are your final thoughts on the episode, Chris? I get like last episode, I gave it a nine, although it's just a nine, just like slightly edging out the the light slightly less than last week's nine. So last week slightly edges out this one. But like a difference this, between an A and an A plus. It, you know, I don't didn't want to give it an eight point eight or something like that because it's it's definitely worthy of a nine. It just maybe visually it wasn't as diverse as the last one the last one had a lot more elements going on and they both had i mean know, it's the, flying fish people yes oh yeah yeah that's what i mean you know there was there was a lot it was it was a lot more dynamic this one was more like you know story with a with a very sim- simple space battle although beautiful but yeah nine out of ten it's a great episode these people know how to do darkness very well Yes. Absolutely. Um, I agree. Um, it would have been a 9.5 if the Dez's cast just wanted to say. <laughs> no, I also they gave they know how to do space, which is very dark, but at the same time, like when they're around a planet like Dan Tuing, there's also a sun somewhere. So there's like, it's very dark and very bright at the same time, and they capture mm-hmm. that dynamic really well. Yeah, and the clouds were gorgeous. Like, yeah. Their ability to do clouds has, yeah. since season one, has been gorgeous. Um, but I also gave it a nine out of 10. I liked getting Tam to this point. I like the implications of Tony's backstory. I like the high drama of this is full civil war, friends versus friends, family versus family. I love that Venice is back. I love her and Emmanuel together. I think they're such a good relationship. Like there's so much and it's, it's a really good penultimate episode setting up the finale. Um, which I'm very excited for you to see for the first time next week. Um, so yeah, there's so many moving pieces, and I thought this was a really fun episode. So yeah, nine out of ten, man. Well, as always, we would love to hear your feedback on Apple Podcasts or Twitter or on the Two True Freaks Facebook page. This week, our feedback comes from the Facebook page for our episode for resistance. Uh, for our resistance episode, bleh, for the missing agent. I just have to say, I don't remember the context of Gene's comment. <laughs> we're, we're talking about, yeah, people up north trying to do southern accents and how I did. It was mostly, I think, about me doing a really bad southern accent. I, okay, that sounds vaguely familiar. <laughs> yeah. so, it was so, like. That was, like, before. That was after yesterday. Like, I don't remember the shit. <laughs> yeah. So, so Gene says, The funny thing about Hope wanting to hear a northerner do a southern accent is, 
A few weeks ago, I was making a point of some kind to my daughter and slipped into a southern drawl as emphasis. She stopped, looked at me, and said, Don't ever do that again. Your daughter's adorable. I love That's her That's what so his much. daughter talks like, too. Don't ever do that again. Don't ever do that again. <laughs> oh, no. I lost my little sheet of paper. Ah, oh, there it is. Good Lord. Oh. You guys know the drill. Chris hates American Kit Kats because he's a weirdo. What are we doing? Um, and so we review candy from all over the world to review. That comes from Dario. Chris is an amazing co-podcaster for Eat It and Beat It. And we love Dario and he sends us candy from all over the world to review. And this week we're doing the Ulker La Via, La Viva from La Viva. Turkey. It sounds like and a, it's... it doesn't sound like a feminine hygiene product. Yeah, actually. I mean, I, I live with a retired gynecologist. So. <laughs> oh. Oh, mine's broken in half. This is perfect. Mine is too. It's like a, it's sort of like a bone. It's skinny in the middle. It's weird. Oh my goodness. Oh. We've been like two for two with candy from Turkey. This is like the one from last time turned inside out. Mm-hmm. With a chocolate crunchy instead. Mm. There's not really crunchy. It's like there's definitely a cookie in the middle. That's what I mean. A chocolate cookie. But it's got that like. But Almost like, like two... an Oreo cookie crust from from a pie or something, you know? Mm-hmm. There's like two cookies in here. There's a lighter cookie and a darker cookie covered in chocolate. Mm-hmm. Oh my god, this is delicious. Mmm. Mm. Our candies from Turkey have been excellent. It's another ukler. Mm-hmm. I think I'm this gonna go totally online my... and look up ukler and see what what else they got? This is quickly becoming like gotten, my favorite company. Everything we've gotten from Uker has been just. I, I was. I'm trying to think of some way to say like Ukerific or something, but Uker mm. doesn't sort of fit in, into anything. But it's all been like high quality. Mm-hmm. This is so good. Thank you, Dario. This is amazing. Mmm. It has that melt-in-your-mouth quality, too. Mm-hmm. Mm. Mm. Well, did you have anything else for... Um, oh, no, I was wrong. The two-part finale did air on a single day. Oh. That's good to know. Unlike the season one finale, which was split apart over mm-hmm. weeks. Anyway, did you have anything else for Rebuilding the Resistance? I got nothing. All right, Chris, where can people find you? You can find me at 2TrueFreaks.com. That is our podcast website for 2TrueFreaks, if you can imagine that. And uh, you can find this podcast there and a whole host of other podcasts. You can sign up for our our feed there. You can leave, uh, leave feedback. You can also uh, check up on us on Facebook. We got the 2TrueFreaks podcast page that we post all our shows up on. And we've got the 2TrueFreaks Cantina which figure it out it's a cantina and uh we are also on twitter and we um we are represented on twitter by the aforementioned gene gene the deep voice daughter having machine (laughs) i was trying i was gonna do something with the 
daughter's voice, but that's actually better. So, da 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 You win. Don't ever do that again, Dad. God, Dad. Dad. I have met Jean's daughter, and she does not. Just disclaimer: she does not at all sound like that. I've only seen pictures, and she's so cute. Yes, although it would be incredibly comical if that voice did come out of that that little tiny, that little tiny angel of a girl. That slip of a beautiful young woman who's a teenager. Get away from my candy bar! <laughs> anyway, that's what I <laughs> <laughs> Enough, enough picking on Jean's daughter. What is the matter with us? I don't know. That last one. Why did like, you? Why do? You, why hope? Why? I was just sitting there going, I'm just gonna sit here in silence to see how long it takes Chris to be like. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> you can find, find us. Hope. You can find us at JGuysAndJedi on Twitter. I run our Twitter account. You can also find me at Hope Molinex. Um, I also write for the Geeky Waffle. Uh, by the time this episode comes out, I will be doing weekly reviews of Amphibia. But as I said at the top of the show, I also recently did a review with my good friend Arzu, where we reviewed uh, Star Wars Visions. So if you kind of want to get an early hint of some of my thoughts about the nine shorts, you can Star Wars Visions on the Geeky Waffle and find my early thoughts over there. Please check it out and share and stuff like that. I also have my own website, Geeky Girl Experience, and Chris and I have another podcast called Hope Makes Chris Watch Cartoons, where I force him to watch animated shows and we're having fun. So, all right, you want to hear the title of next week's episode? The last one, the mystery episode for me, yes. So, I'm going to preface this by saying that the season one finale was called No Escape Part 1 and 2. The finale of Resistance is called the Escape. Part one and two. Hmm. Yeah. So we go from no escape to the escape. Actually, this is fun. I guess they lie about escape in general on this show. Actually, I that Okay, so here's the thing. You haven't seen next week's episode. No. How do you think Resistance will end? And I won't say anything. I don't think anybody's going to die. Misa don't think anybody's going to die. Um, although it's a possibility, but I, I, I think it's, I think it might end up with the, with the end of the Colossus and more of a, of a merging with the, 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 the resistance or you know it it, it, it will it, it will end with like or the Colossus being the end of the Colossus as say it might get destroyed or B it gets repurposed as a as a tool of the resistance and you know it would be like we have to you know say goodbye to Orca and flicks, <laughs> find a shop somewhere and stuff like that. But I think it's generally, generally going going to end sort of a little bittersweet. With uh, I imagine, I imagine um, the the with uh, Kaz and um, Tora being 
and and of course um the highest paid member of the crew all all going going off to 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 join the resistance i don't think eager is going to go with him or or doza well i guess we'll have to find out next week then yeah, it's not like you're gonna tell me whether I'm right or wrong. I no, guess. no, I'm not. <laughs> if you listen to Hope Makes Chris Watch Cartoons, you'll know that I'm old hat at listening to Chris make predi- predictions. <laughs> predictions, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Although I think I think Gravity Falls was the the high point of like prediction. That was that show was just like built for predictions. That was fun because I got to be either stunningly right or stunningly wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Technically, you were always right because you're like, I bet so-and-so's going to come back. And you were right in the finale. Everybody comes back. All right, well, I guess we'll see you guys next week for the final episode of Resistance. Bye, everyone. I'm so sad. It's okay. This was a fun run. Bye. Visit our website at twotruefreaks.com. Two True Freaks is always spelled T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S. You can email Two True Freaks directly at twotruefreaks at gmail.com. Two True Freaks and all of its excellent affiliates are available on iTunes, and you can choose to subscribe to either the entire network if you wish, or pick whichever individual shows you want to follow. We have so many shows to choose from, there's just bound to be one that appeals to your particular fandom. Just search Two True Freaks with an exclamation mark at the end, space, and the number two. You can find Two True Freaks on Facebook. Just search for Two True Freaks. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? If you've enjoyed our show, please, won't you take a moment to rate us on iTunes? That helps others find the show, too. Thanks for listening. And join us every Monday for new episodes of Two Two True True Freaks. Freaks. Have you been, Lord, friend of my son? Oh, make my bed soon, for I'm weary from hunting. Hey!